stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. My esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is here also. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always like to bring you tips, specific things that you can use. Our producer tells us now that we have 95,000 downloads in a month, so we want to thank all you folks who are listening. And what you're doing is not only just downloading the current ones, but we have been now doing this since 2007. And so we have a large archive of, of shows. And so we encourage you, um, if there's something that interests you, to go to the website at uh, Leadership Development News, part of Voice America, uh, and then go through there and find out are there some other um, podcasts of people that you'd like to hear about. And then often Kathy and I will take it on and we'll zero in on some of the key things that she and I do uh, in organizations on a daily basis. So today, we have Dr. Lois Phillips. And let me tell you about Dr. Lois uh, Phillips. We had uh, Dr. Phillips a couple years ago and really wanted to have her come back. And she is a dynamic public speaker whose clients say she practices what she teaches. Her academic background combines with executive experience in higher education to inform her training and coaching. Using principles gained from interviews and successful speakers and outlined in her best-selling book, Women Seen and Heard, Lessons Learned from Successful Speakers, Lois provides coaching and training to spokespersons, managers, and executives. Dr. Phillips has a special interest in advancing women's careers, companies, and board leadership, and has produced conferences on women leadership, produced and moderated two television programs about women's changing roles, co-moderated a program called Dialogues with George Eskin for a radio station, and has years of conference presentation to complement her academic research. In recent years, um, our guest has taught creating a culture of innovation and also negotiation skills for professional women. And that's at the University of California, Santa Barbara. So we're going to pick her brain about some of the applied skills that you can use. But let me just quickly introduce Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host since 2008 on this show. And Dr. Greenberg coaches leading executives, entire companies on her proven happiness equals profit strategies. Kathy has authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, which is What Happy Working Mothers Know, 
and she's working on a, a whole other series around fearless leadership. She touches millions as a speaker, TV, radio, and media personality, and she's the founder of the renowned executive consultancy called H2C. It stands for Happy Companies, Healthy People. She currently offers friendly tips and tools to be your best at work and at home on the ABC show, The Morning Blend. And she has a new TV web show called Your Happiness Now. Um, you can visit her at H2C Leadership, or we have a combined uh, site that both Kathy and I use and post things on called Excel, X-C-E-L Institute.com. And Kathy uh, also has a new iPhone uh, app that really highlights her books, and you get a chance to see her uh, pretty face. And um, Kathy, welcome to the show, and maybe you can tell them a little bit about your iPhone app. Oh, thanks, Relly. Yeah, the um, it's an iPhone and an iPad app, and it's called Your Happiness Now, and it's basically tips and techniques collected from all of the books in the happiness series, including what happy companies know, what happy women know, what happy working mothers know, and a webinar, a one-year webinar program that we did called What Happy Coaches Know. So thanks for that, and I want to make sure that everybody who's listening uh, truly does know who my co-host is, who is uh, just a wonderful um, inspiration uh, for me every time we do a show together, and um, and somebody who I know you enjoy from the thousands of downloads uh, that you are are doing all the time for his iApp called Leadership Keys. And so these are two of our free giveaways um, from our work at the Excel Institute. And as you may or may not know, you know, Relly is uh, just a, a highly respected and highly esteemed individual uh, in the coaching world. He is, in fact, a master-level certified executive coach. He's a psychologist. He's a corporate leadership and a team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings, of course, his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs. Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, also provides you with over a 100 tools and strategies to develop star performers across your organization and across industries. His highly respected work is the focus of many, many business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs have become a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You can visit Relly at truenorthleadership.com for more free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. And you can also download a lot of material that both of us contribute to excelinstitute.com. That's www.excelinstitute.com. So, Relly, we're going to have a good time with our good friend, Dr. Lois Phillips, and I love her book, um, women seen and heard. I'm one of those women who's mostly heard, <laughs> but I like to be seen every once in a while. And I have given that book um, to several women who I think can really benefit from it because I think we can all get better at what we do. And um, it's going to be an exciting show. So thanks for bringing Lois back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very eager to have our conversation. Well, so Lois, let's just kind of jump into this um... You know, we'll start with our first question. You know, you're interested in effective communication and, and women's advancement into leadership. Given 
the communication is such a critical skill for leaders. Um, what leaders you know, demonstrate excellent communication skills from your point of view, maybe that we've, we've known or people you work with? Right. You know, I, I thought about that because if you asked me this question 20 years ago, I'd have to really think and, and drill down. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think we really live in a wonderful time, particularly for young women who are looking for role models. And I was thinking that, of course, in my case, uh, I, I believe Hillary Clinton is a wonderful speaker, and I've heard her speak uh, in person in, in a couple of large conference settings, and I'm just amazed by her ability to recall information, think on her feet, and also demonstrate humor. That doesn't always come through in the media, yeah. you know, snips that you see of her. And um, so I think she she's great, and I've really watched her grow over many years. Um, you know, when I was very young, I was very inspired by people like Betty Friedan and, of course, Gloria Steinem, who were very different in their physical presence, but who were so articulate. And I, I guess what you're hearing probably is a theme in, in my response to your question. I, I'm very impressed by women who are articulate and who can talk about ideas, not just about the concrete stuff of everyday life, which I think women excel at. I think women tend to be a little better at conversation, um, talking about practical things and sharing stories and all of that stuff. But then it, it really was very exciting over my in my growing up years to see women who could talk about, you know, big ideas and the future and uh, how, what policies we might be considering. That was very inspiring to me, and I studied speech in college and rhetoric in particular. People like Linda Ellerby, who began Mm. to look at the impact of media on children. I've heard her speak at conferences. Uh, Pat Schroeder, a political person, Koki Roberts. Ellen Goodman, the journalist, and Dr. Susan Love. So these are people, you know, in fields as disparate as health and and media and politics uh, and journalism. But I think in general what I'm struck by is their ability to sound very conversational, even though they may be talking about big ideas. And so I I would always leave their presentations thinking about what they had to say, and um, it, it seemed accessible. You know, it wasn't highfalutin jargon or technical so they really influence me, and, and even today when I when I coach people who are reticent or you know were advanced in their positions and they have to develop their own style, you know I say let's start with the way you talk to people in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, when people do talk to other people, have you had experiences where you notice that you can tell who is in a power position? by how someone is communicating with another person? You know, I think I'm trying to think about how to answer that briefly because there are all kinds of ways from the obvious way, if we're thinking interpersonally, that the person stays behind the desk. And you've studied nonverbal communication and, you know, the way in which people use space where they are at a conference table, um, you know, the way in which they interrupt people, um, the way in which their voice is louder, uh, and people don't challenge that and allow them to be the dominant force in the room. I think there are ways besides the title on the door and the bigelow on the floor, as we say, you know, conveys that I'm the boss, I control money, I control people, I control policy. So I think there are ways in which, um, you know, people take up space 
When they communicate, they use gestures, they look at people, or they ignore people. I think these are all ways that um, are very nuanced, but Hmm. people get it. They really react, and certainly in terms of your understanding of emotional intelligence, I know you know exactly what I mean. There's a meta message about who's got the power. And um, and people understand that in a in a, a very intuitive way. Well, I think one of the things that I'm really excited to hear about in today's conversation is um, a little bit about the state and, and federal policies that that still outlaw discrimination, um, but that are actually in some ways obstacles to women's advancement. And um, We're going to talk about that, hopefully, Lois, when we come back from this break. So don't go away. Come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Lois Phillips. And, uh, Lois, before we go further, you want to just give us your, your contact information or website that people can get a hold of you? I guess I see it here. W- yeah, w- that would be wonderful. Uh, they can contact me directly through www.loisphillips.com, and I've got blogs and um, all kinds of information okay. on there. Well, one of the things we wanted to ask you about was given the, some of the federal and state policies that outlaw discrimination, uh, are there still obstacles today for women advancement? And if so, kind of what are some of the challenges that you see and you face with women leaders? Well, I think that there are uh, obstacles. I mean, we're, we're very lucky in that as women today over the past 25 years, which isn't that long ago, you know, you couldn't. Uh, teach if you were pregnant. You couldn't be seen by your high school students once you began to show. So the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and the Equal Employment um, Opportunities Commission and uh, Housing Restrictions and um, Pay Equity Act, all of those kinds of things came out of the women's movement. So let's hear it for that. Every March we, we need to honor Women's History Month because there were big changes that went beyond the psychodynamics of the individual's capacity to push for change. And I'm mentioning that because contextually the show is really looking at emotional intelligence and the psychological capacity of individuals to be effective, whether as leaders or simply, you know, outstanding managers or employees and, and to use their intelligence to, uh, their emotional intelligence as well as their IQ to, um, to advance themselves and, and their projects. But I think that the challenge is, and I know we're going to talk about this hot new book by Sheryl Sandberg called Lean In, but I think that the challenges today are remain institutional obstacles in terms of um, ways in which that uh, women are tapped for advancement opportunities. And they're very subtle um, because um, in some cases they're just not even comprehended by individual women who come into the workplace with academic degrees equal to men and ready to hunker down and advance themselves. Um, there are um, obstacles in terms that hit women in particular who have one child that affect their earning capacity. In fact, they earn 20% less than men do in the same jobs when they have one or more children. Mm. And some of that has to do with choices that they're making about training or travel or assumptions being made about their interest in taking that great opportunity to shadow their boss at an international conference, but they don't have adequate child care. So child care really looms large. And, you know, at my age, it's no longer an issue for me, but it certainly was when I was a young mom and I was a single parent and I was working at the university and I had a sick child home with the flu. So, you know, there are ways in which you are um, expected to show up, understandable, of course, for your job. Some employers are more progressive than others, but it depends on your ability to negotiate 
with your supervisor, those sick days that are unexpected when a child, you know, gets sick, or you have a crisis at home, or you're the uh, part of the sandwich generation with an ailing elderly parent as well. So I think there are those, um, there are challenges that have to do with the flexibility of the uh, employer or the workplace um, and access to affordable child care that really inhibit women from seeking advancement and and that's you know part of our conversation today which which of these obstacles are psychological and have to do with reticence to push one's career and which are real such as you know the difficulty in finding affordable quality child care whether you're a leader a manager or simply you know any old employee so um i think you know this is one of the issues on the table it's you know the choice of a partner in life um, is an economic decision, according to Sheryl Sandberg and others. When you think about the choices that women are making, Lois, I find it very interesting right now. I'm part of a, a new women's leadership initiative um, called Half the Sky, and we have um, a good population of up-and-coming women leaders in this particular program, and they're, the first graduating class will be in um, in this July, and what they're learning are some real aha moments about their style based on some assessments and some feedbacks, um, but they're also learning how to deal with these very nuanced discriminatory issues that relate to the quality of their work versus the quantity of time they spend at work, mm-hmm. um, and they're also dealing with the idea of image. Um, why is it appropriate for women to be attractive in the workplace as long as it does not distract from their credibility? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd love to hear some of, uh, some of your comments mm-hmm. on that before we get into the, the Sheryl Sandberg book. And sure. um, just love to hear some of your insight on that. Uh, well, you know, I think one of the things we have to say out, you know, out front here is that there is a double standard at work. So a male can be attractive at work, and it's a positive. A woman can be attractive, but she can't be too attractive or she can't be too unattractive. So I think this is a very fine line for, um, you know, that women have to walk in terms of being assertive but not too assertive and not too passive. And, um, you know, in Sandberg's book, she mentions that there were a couple of times when she just absolutely cried in front of her boss, and she was very upset that she did. But, it, you know, there are times when things happen. Well, you, you know, when Hillary Clinton had possibly a tear in her eye sitting in a diner on her campaign trail, we don't even know it was a real tear, uh, her campaign imploded. Um, and when John Boehner cries uncontrollably, you know, the head of the, the um his party, um, and this is covered by the press, it's, it's really downplayed. It's shown as a sign of what a, a human being he is. So I think there's a double standard. I think it makes it very tricky for women to figure out, how do I want to present myself? It's not a casual thing when you face your closet in the morning and you have to decide, you know, how do I want to present myself today? And then if you're giving a presentation, in particular, it's a geometry of personalities in front of you. Do you want to be buttoned up? Do you want to have a little bow tie? Do you want to wear, you know, a skirt, high heels, or sneakers? I mean, it's it's suddenly a complicated decision. So I I do think what's great about your program, and I'm somewhat familiar. I'm certainly familiar with 
you know, the Half the Sky in General project and Christoph's writing on that. Um, it's it's such a wonderful thing to have discussions because, as you know, raising awareness is the first step to being thoughtful and choosing wisely and strategically about how you present yourself to other people. I, I agree with you. I think it's something young women um, are going to be smarter about because of the discussions you're facilitating. Well, and just to be clear so I don't confuse the audience, uh, this this particular program, Half the Sky Leadership, is being um, led by uh, a woman by the name of Grace Killalay, who's a former executive uh, from Comcast who's invested uh, in this program, uh, which she is promoting through uh, yeah, regional areas. Right. So uh, I don't want to take anything away from anybody. But right. I want to make sure that... It's a great uh, phrase. Yeah, it is. And just for those of you who, who don't understand where it comes from, there's an old Chinese proverb that says women hold up half the sky, and that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And for me, what you're talking about, Lois, really touches home. Um, and we'll come back to this because I'm doing a, a large project right now um, for an organization which will remain nameless. And one of the things that they have asked of me is to look more like a news correspondent for a series of webinars that I'm doing for them versus um, my more um, approachable uh, down-home happy mom look that we used for the What Happy Working Mothers Know uh, book promotion. And now with the new Fearless label coming out, um, that anchor news seriousness type of, of uh, facade is also more important. So it's very interesting um, that these, these things are overlapping. So I guess getting back to Sheryl Sandberg's book, um, love to hear your commentary on that. Well, I'm, I've been reading it uh, voraciously because I'm also leading a discussion on, on this uh, for an association, and not just reading the book, but also reading things about the book, and I know you have too. It's a bestseller, and it had 440,000 copies in print as of March, went into a second printing, immediately sold 50,000 ebooks, um, And, you know, for those listeners who don't know, Sheryl Sandberg is a brilliant woman with incredible academic credentials who's had tremendous mentoring from people like Larry Summers and Treasury and worked in the federal government and um, is a billionaire and uh, serious about parenting her two children with her husband's health. And um, her book really is its a tremendous book, I think. Um, she really... It reminds me very much of Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique, which was, um, she was a homemaker when she wrote it, became an activist, and it was 50 years ago. And Sheryl Sandberg's book also, I think, is going to start a revolution in this way. And, Kathy, this is related to your project in that you are starting discussions about, um, you know, about happiness, but also now about leadership and fearless leadership. And for a woman to have no fear is really a push against a stereotype because women, you know, are supposed to be docile and subordinate and helpful and courteous and um, not necessarily 
um, be aggressive and fearless. It's not a you know label we we'd attach to a homemaker, for example, or a secretary or a nurse. Or, but but it's a very exciting way to reframe the roles of women today, especially to really value the the intellect that women have and the great ideas that women have, just as men have great ideas. Not all men, some men. Not all women, some women. So I think the book is really opening the door to younger women suddenly seeing this amazing, attractive, self-effacing underline um, woman, billionaire, who is saying, I have self-doubts, but I pushed forward. I worry about things all the time. I regret things I said. I make mistakes, but it doesn't stop me from moving forward. And she said, don't back off. Don't cave in, lean in. In other words, assert yourself. If you have something to say, don't hold back. So I think that is a great message. And young women today really can't relate to the feminist movement of their mother's generation. And, you know, this is supposedly a post-feminist generation. So I really appreciate what she's doing is to say, wait a minute, we have not advanced to the degree that we should have, given that women are earning more BAs than men are. We're entering law and medicine and uh, engineering and media in great numbers, but we're not represented in the halls of power uh, in Congress on the boards of top corporations. We, we've got to step up here. So I think, you know, that, that's kind of the the essence of the book, and the great thing I would add is that Stanford University and their Claymans Institute for Gender Research has a lot of material, including how to run lean-in circles with huh. your coworkers or friends, with all the videos and curriculum, and so people can really pursue this as a book club. And that's from, uh, I know there's the Lean In Org, which is part of that. Is, exactly, and then, exactly. And then from leanin.org, then there's uh, informational resources from Stanford. That's exactly right, with the curriculum and videos, in other words, lectures by Stanford faculty from their School of Business, brilliant women who, and I'm very impressed with that program. So it's all free. And um, the, you know, the uh, TED Talk that started this off really um, is, it's on TED.com and just type in Cheryl Sandberg. I think it was 2010 or 11. And, she, and her talk really is um, very much the core message of the book. So let me ask you a couple questions, because we didn't say for, for people who aren't familiar with Cheryl Sandberg, she's a COO of Facebook. She was at Google uh, for about uh, six years before she went over to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she, you know, she had the wonderful mentors, um, people who were right. economists. She worked in the Department of the Treasury. So, you know, again, she destroys stereotypes because this is a woman who does know how to read the spreadsheets. And uh, she is quite confident in her intellectual abilities. And um, so, yet she doesn't, you know, she doesn't hold back from talking about uh, getting a C at Harvard and really struggling academically until she figured out how to write five-page papers. And uh, I think that modesty is, is very endearing. And, you know, this is not someone we're going to put up on a pedestal. She says right. she struggles every day with the price of success. So one of the things we'll come back to, we're going to go to a break now, and you're highlighting, Lois, is the vulnerability. But one of the questions that uh, that was interesting in her book and then write up about is <clears throat> success and likability. And they will come back to that. The difference between when a man is successful, how likable he is, and then when a woman 
is likable or successful, how likable. So we'll come right back to that question. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Lois Phillips. You can uh, contact Lois at her her website at www.loisphillips, which has two L's. Dot com. And before the break, you know, one of the interesting things that I think um, with Sheryl Sandberg, she got from her MBA program early on that I think kind of shaped some of her thinking, 
was about likability and success. And she, I think, quoted a study that came up when when it was uh, Henrietta and then maybe Henry. I may have the names wrong, but it was two case studies where they were both very successful and and uh, somewhat assertive. And it, what came out was about would you want to work with this person? And then you have more research on that. But so what do you what do you know, Lois, about successful women and likability? Well, a couple of things come to mind. Yeah, there's been a lot of research, people, uh, students in particular, observing, you know, videotapes of Harriet and Henry or whoever their particular uh, actor was, um, delivering the same presentation or seeing them in action, facilitating a group, and um, exactly, you know, it was exactly the same content. And uh, so Group A and Group B uh, reacted, and the female was reviewed negatively. Uh, they didn't like her style. They, they were extremely critical. And um, the, it's an amazing and very disappointing study so, because they were, you know, if you looked at them rationally, uh, particularly someone with your background in management and leadership studies, you would say there was really no difference except mm-hmm. one was a female and one was a male. But the intensity of their ne- the negativity about the woman definitely don't want to work for her. I think goes back to what I mentioned before, which is a double standard um, for women and men in leadership roles. We don't we don't picture an executive uh, being five foot two and buxom or um, skinny with long blonde hair or um, you know whatever it is. We just the image of a woman of a male. Um, CEO is very clear in our mind right. from the media and from coverage in the news and the number of um, men interviewed on Meet the Press is I think 93%. So we're used to men being the voice of authority. Yeah. Um, and for women, it's very difficult to gain credibility as the voice of authority at the same time that you're presenting yourself in the conventional image of friend or sister or mom. Um, or or PTA present. I mean, it's just so many competing images and experiences of women. Well, it's funny that you say that because one of the things that um, I personally still struggle with when I am with other women who are executives like myself um, is this, um, you know, this constant characterization. And I'm not sure if we're perpetuating that Right. Or men are perpetuating that. And and I don't know if we get in our own way doing that. But the thing that I found very interesting, if we go back to the data from the uh, initial uh, Obama and Clinton mm-hmm. uh, debates, you know, nobody thought of Hillary Clinton as likable until she was brought to tears. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she became human. And then her, her likability increased significantly. Yeah. So it's interesting that we, um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm on your team here. I'm not arguing with you. No, I just no, think it's I interesting so. that we get we get in our own way sometimes so relating fine. to these um, archetypal factors. And yet we like, as you said earlier, so you, you said so well, we like to think that a woman is more likable if she's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, now we think of men as being likable if they're vulnerable. What I'm, you know, having done sex differences and studies on sex differences, 
uh, as a historic reference point from my early careers as an early career as an anthropologist. I've always been totally stupefied by these nuances. Do you see anything in the work that you're doing around this subject that is really distinguishable for women's likability versus men? Because it's obviously not vulnerability. Is there something else? Let me just mention one other thing, because I think the key question to me is, is I can understand why men may not think the woman is likable, but women feel like this is the, the distinguishing point here, that women think a successful woman is less likable. So that mm-hmm. is you zero in. That's, that's really yeah, disappointing, but, isn't it? Okay, yeah. It is, but from an evolutionary standpoint, I'm going to jump in here. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with behavior. Mm-hmm. And I will declare, and you can beat me bloody <laughs> with a, a two-by-four, that is an evolutionary fact. Women genetically, whether people want to hear this or not, have been wired, like our brains are hardwired for hard times. We're still working with a 150,000-year-old brain. Women have been wired to protect their access to resources. So whether that is resources available from an individual, from a community, from a family, from a social network, or from a workplace, women will always need to protect access to resources. So what happens in the women's work world, when one woman woman rises above like a tall poppy, she's getting access to more resources by virtue of that status and visibility than the other women around her. Mm-hmm. That is an underlying biological yeah. evolutionary reaction. And what I'm looking for are what the behavioral correlates to that might be. Hmm. You know, I, I'm thinking about the fact, I, I'm still struck by what you're saying, and I will try to answer your question, but the fact is that when someone from my clan group moves outside my clan group, I feel a sense of loss, Yes, and I'm threatened by that. And let's think, when we look at the studies of immigrants whose children go on to advanced higher education, there's a terrible sense of grief as well as joy because they've gone into a larger, complex, sophisticated, mainstream world. So, you know, just if we keep that in mind, we'll have a little compassion for the woman who is outstanding or stands out. Oh, believe me. I, you know, I, and I'm yes. sure you know exactly what I mean. So yes. it's a tougher road to hoe. And I think in terms of, you know, if, if you want me to answer in the limited time we have left here, the, the behavioral characteristics that will help her navigate and negotiate the stress that I think accompanies the isolation you feel when even the women who love to go to lunch with you uh, before you were promoted suddenly give you a a cold shoulder. I I think that you have to, first of all, start with awareness of what has happened and be sensitive and be inclusive and use all of your psychological skills to engage people in ways that are meaningful to them. And this is where I think EQ training is very helpful because you can't, um, you ha- I think you have to make transparent, which is a lot of the exciting research I'm do- doing on women leaders, is their desire for transparency and process. Um, it's a whole other show. But the, the fact that you can say, I'm still one of you in many ways, and I want to share with you what I know. And 
Maybe I buy lunch and we have it in my office. Hmm. But I think there are ways in which you Mm -hmm. have to make it clear to yourself first (laughs) that this is part of the role shift and that um, this is where the worry is about the access to resources and your protection of it. Right. Does that make sense? Beautifully said. I love uh, it. You know, as a as a man here, what I say this makes a lot more sense now. It's kind of this kind of this mindset that at least I'm interpreting for a woman. There's there's a paucity of resources. Therefore, somebody a woman who grabs it, there's less for somebody else. Exactly. And and I don't think as a man that that mindset is really there. It's like, oh, okay, there's more around, or or we'll battle for it. But it's not it's not oh. Someone got it, therefore there's less for me. Right. No, I think think what Lois said, though, that is really important, and Lois, I want to just drive this home, is awareness and emotional intelligence and cognition that when you get into that role of authority as a leader, it's your job to make sure you give other people access to those resources and you pull them in and Mm -hmm. pull them up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I... my mind is just flying here in terms of, you know, I, I think that um, the, the work I'm doing um, in, in training women in particular in business and professions in how to negotiate effectively, and I'm mm-hmm. linking to the Harvard uh, Negotiations Project and materials, which are excellent and online in many cases, um, is, tells me, and this relates, that women aren't risk takers. Uh, to the degree that men are, and Sheryl Sandberg talks about this in her book as well. And I, again, this is yet another show, but I think a leader has to be not only optimistic, positive, cheerful, relational, all those good things, but also has to be able to take a risk and to connect the dots in ways that other people, less insightful, uh, less, you know, uh, knowledgeable, can't do. And women's ability to be successful in leadership roles has to involve the way she deals wisely with those resources. And you can't protect them. There are times when, you know, look at Facebook and and the controversy around going public and the disappointing results. That was a risk, and it didn't go well, and Sheryl Sandberg is having to deal with that in her job. And I think basically, going back to Kathy's point, her capacity to talk about and explain the risk and how she's going to make it better for everyone so that everyone benefits is going to be a marker of her success, and Mm -hmm. I know she's going to do it. Yeah. So it goes back to what we know in in psychology, and I think we're saying this around the vulnerability. Who does someone want to listen to, an expert model or a coping model? And a coping model, someone who falls down, gets up, falls down, gets up, and we all say, oh, that's like me. I'm not that expert, and that's where I think this vulnerability, you know, like you're you're saying, Lois and and Kathy, you know, for for women, I think, you know, even more so for men, you know, how do you let that down so people go, oh, you're like I am, or you're struggling too, and here's what you did. Mm -hmm. And also I think it it has a a particular frame for women because someone like Sandberg, who is very exceptional, said it's not easy out there, and you need – you need a mentor, which is very rare for men or women, but more common for men. But more important, you need a sponsor. You need someone who's going to take you to that conference with him, because it usually will be a him, and say, I want to show you how we negotiate on a global scale. This is how my company is going to go public, and you're going to assist me in taking my company public. And it's about learning. And, again, you know, EQ is something we can all learn. Nobody is born with a high EQ. It comes from a lot of different streams of experience. So 
this notion of, you know, um, making yourself vulnerable, but knowing in addition to making myself vulnerable, I have to learn some things that will not happen accidentally. And that's where you have to be assertive on your own behalf and seek learning opportunities through people. Well, if you don't have good relationship skills, it's not going to happen. I I can't go up to you at a conference rally as a strange person to you and say, will you be my mentor? It's not going to happen. But it's those learning opportunities where we learn from people who have a high EQ how they handle risk and how they think about things to figure out if it's a good risk. So, I, you know, I think that role model piece, and it isn't just crying in front of your boss every day. It's about saying, you know, something terrible happened and I feel sick about it and I made a terrible mistake. Will you help me figure this out? Hopefully that happens rarely, but um, it's okay to be upset, and it's just we don't want to be upset every day. We want to be happy. Yeah. We want to be show all kinds of feelings. So I think it's that, it's that you're already doing it, Lois. Here is that kind of name it to tame it. You kind of know what's going on. You're you're naming it, and you t- and you want to tame it. Even in conversations for for leaders, it's fine to be upset and fine to know what's going on. Uh, to share your feelings, but then to be able to say, okay, but now I need to get through this. Now I need to kind of work through it. So you name it detainment, and then you kind of strategize on how you're going to move forward. Right, and I think that's a very critical word, really. I think that men have been great strategists. Men don't go out and hunt or didn't go out and hunt any old time of day. You know, women were home with the seeds and the the farming. (laughs) Men had strategies for when they would hunt and what they would hunt and whether they did it alone in pairs or teams. And this this notion of a woman as a strategist also pushes against stereotypes, but it's really one of the key things we have to learn about. And what does that mean? It means I think about the future. You know, I live in the moment, I work with people, but I see what's coming down the pike. And um, that is a critical learning for women. One of the things, and Kathy, for you to comment on this too, we talked about this on another show that Sandberg talks about, is just the negotiation. And often that women aren't negotiating it, you know, uh, enough for their salary and other aspects. Yeah, you know, one of the things, Lois, that we've talked about in some of our other shows is the fact that, and I have a 31-year-old daughter who's already done this in one career, and thank goodness for all of us, she's going into a new career. She's actually opening her own aesthetics spa, and she has her own uh, line of organic and vegan skincare products and uh, makeup, and it's a whole new life for her. But prior to being on her own as an entrepreneur, she worked in industry for many, many years, and it's quite obvious to me she did the same thing many young women do. They just want to be accepted into a social group called work, and they take a salary and a title and a place in, in, in the community without recognizing up front what they have negotiated themselves out of by being right. so happy to be a part of this family. Right. And, you know, as a mother and as an executive woman watching this occur over and over in, in many wonderful women's lives, this is the number one thing I go after nowadays. The data specifically says and I'm sure it changes on a regular basis, the average woman negotiates away over a million dollars worth of income on her first job. That's actually, um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good number to, to guesstimate because it's how you come into that first job right. 
and your your um, the the quickness with which you say yes rather than <laughs> thinking amazing. about it or asking for a package. And Cheryl Sandberg herself, when Mark Zuckerberg offered her her the job at Facebook was about to take the first offer when her husband, who was horrified, said, you know, no man would ever do that. You've got to think about the benefits, the perks. She has a career as a speaker. She has all kinds of possibilities coming to her. And she wouldn't have if she said yes because she wanted the job, she liked him, she knew it was going to be great. But um, I think even someone that sophisticated, mm-hmm. um, I have a daughter too, and I think that this desire to work in an organization and have a peer group and a social, the social aspect of work is very um, much a magnet for women. They want that, but men are more strategic when they start. Right. How they start affects their entire life and retirement. Well, that's a huge stat. I mean, Kathy, I remember you said that before, so you figure, you know, 40 years plus of working, you, know, you could easily see how that million dollars um, you know, can come up short. And each job leads you to the next job. Right. And so, you know, it may be only $1,800 difference. It may be that you negotiate um, your employer's agreement to pay for your master's degree. There are all of these things that are could be intangible, like work from home one day a week. And uh, there's a lot of research now on the kinds of um, the, the aspects of employment that you can think about that are beyond the dollar but have tremendous impact on the quality of your life. So uh, that million dollars is a sobering figure. Well, so let's talk about, because uh, before we run out of time, I think we have a, a little bit more time here. You know, just what do you see are some of the, you know, the other aspects that are important for women to move forward with, you know, and some of the studying women, I'm looking at some of our questions, um, you know, what are you seeing that there are important aspects that a, a woman may need to kind of lean in to use that term? And it's a great metaphor <laughs> of leaning in. What do they need to lean in on? We talked about negotiation. Well, uh, well you know, she's talking about a lot of things. Negotiation is a very critical aspect, and negotiation is, um, I think, has a hard edge in, in women's minds, but it's really about problem solving, and that's what women do every day, whether they're homemakers or students mm-hmm. or uh, or anybody. I, we're dealing with um, our neighbors on trimming trees, and that's a negotiation, and so we negotiate constantly throughout the day, and I think it's demystifying something like negotiation. That's where a mentor or even a, a great a colleague or, or a friend can uh, be very useful when you're going into a situation and you want to get something out of it. I think this is where, you know, asserting on your own behalf might be seen as uh, being a bit self-aggrandizing and women are more modest than, than um, braggarts. So um, I think, you know, there's, there's an aspect to it that makes them more anxious than men because um, it is, negotiating on my own behalf, to take something away from someone else. So it really involves reframing that kind of situation. But there are some things here I know you two would appreciate uh, that she talks about, which is, you know, the importance of being a team player and um, making sure that you speak up during team meetings and you don't hold back, you lean in, another example, that you have something to give and, and it involves knowing what it is you know that others don't. And um, I guess 
you know, finally, I would say something that might be interesting to your listeners is harnessing the power of stories. Because uh, as an anthropologist, Kathy, you know our brains are wired to remember stories in some way. And if you and I have a conversation, you overload me with facts, I'm not going to remember them as much as I'll remember the story you tell me that anchors those facts. And that's something that women tend to do, you know, if they're good conversationalists. And we use anecdotes to ground the listener in an experience that conveys a point. So I think there are a lot of things going for us, actually, as women um, that should make us proud and more confident going into the workplace. But women are known to be more loyal, take fewer days off, work longer, work harder. Women who start businesses, um, you know, keep those businesses running tremendously in comparison to the number of men's businesses that fail, speaking of small businesses. So we have a good track record. Well, you know, Lois, it's always a pleasure. I'm so happy we've had you back. And we do need to do some more shows with you on the subjects that you brought up. And Thank you. And we'll look forward to doing that. You are such a blessing to all of us, and you, you are somebody who motivates me, and it's always an inspiration to speak with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, uh, Lois, this is bringing this to a, a close. And like Kathy said, you know, there's so much more that, that you expertise that you have. And for people who um, – don't know Lois and you want some more information, see her blogs and some of her material, www.loisphillips.com. It's got two L's. And thank you again. We're going to sign off, and this has been uh, Leadership Development News. So tune in to tune up your performance, and we'll see and hear you again next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.